Two weeks ago, I brought a message entitled, The Importance of the Virgin Birth. I got a telephone call during the week, had a conversation with a lady who had said to me, I really felt like going down and praying because of all that's going on in my life right now. And we talked for a few minutes, and she said not only for everything that was going on in our life, but in the lives of people who were sitting around me. And um, so a, a sermon was birthed. And so for about two weeks, um, I've just been baking what I want to say to you this morning because I, I want it to be something that you'll take with you, but it will be something you will never forget, something you'll never get over. So I backed up again, and I began to, to think and be very honest with you. I'm not sure exactly where the message will go this morning. I just know where it's headed. And God will have it land where it needs to land. But um, uh, I, I sat yesterday morning, um, and then we went to a funeral. Uh, we went and visited a lady whose mother had passed away. They're going to be going through Christmas without their mother this year. It's going to be so real and so um, current that um, it's going to be difficult to uh, get past the holidays with such a great loss. While I was sitting there, I couldn't help but think about a great loss that Lee and I had 14 years ago. I looked at the fireplace, and on the hearth was a little pine tree about this tall. had little balls on it about like this, and that was our Christmas tree that year because um, Christmas was just tough. And we celebrated Christmas with our boys, and we were so grateful for that. Uh, but it was, a, it was a tough time. I suspect if I were to ask some of you this morning, how many of you are going through Christmas this year without a loved one? It would probably be quite a few of you. 14 years for us with our daughter, 13 years without my dad. And, and, and other, and other um, we talked about Lee's mom and dad yesterday and nine years ago and five years ago. And, and another Christmas without someone in their place. And, and I began to think about you guys and I began to think about... Uh, walking through that valley of the shadow of death with you over the last several years. And I just want to say to you, this message is for you. You may be here this morning and you're going through a really hard time. You're going through trials or hardships, um, heartaches, difficulties. I, I want this message to be for you this morning. I'm sure that there are many who are sitting here this morning that are struggling with your faith. 
It's not uncommon for us to, during a time of year, we think about a virgin birth, we think about God coming, we think about all that God did and what we're bombarded with. And yet there are many who are sitting here this morning, I'm sure, who are really struggling with your faith. Is this real? Is there anything to this? I want to say to you that this message hopefully is for you. I'm sure that in a church this size, and it's raining outside, and, uh, but uh, I'm sure that there may very well be somebody sitting here this morning who's never made a decision to follow Jesus. Uh, you've never been saved, but you do have an open mind to listen to what God has to say to you this morning through this inadequate vessel. This message is for you. It all kind of starts over in the book of Isaiah chapter 7. That's where we kind of ended up a couple of weeks ago. You remember that King Ahaz um, is dealing with God. And God told him, he said, uh, just ask for a sign, whatever that sign is, and I'll give it to you. Um, Ahaz obviously wanting to be this um, I don't know what he was trying to be, but, uh, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to ask you that. And so God just said to him, well, okay, well, I'm going to give you a sign then. It's found in the 14th verse, a virgin will conceive. And by the way, those of you who are Bible scholars, let me just throw something at you here because the fact of the matter is, is that the word um, here that's used for virgin is really the word Alma, which is a word that means young maiden. So a lot of the skeptics will say, well, you know what, it wasn't a virgin, it was just a young woman. So how do you know whether it was a young woman who, who is married uh, or a, a virgin? It, it's the context. You always got to keep the context in front of you when you're, when you're studying these passages or it's going to lead you in a wrong direction. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23... Matthew repeats the very same prophecy here. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Two times in the Bible that the name Emmanuel is used. Only one other time is found in chapter 8 and in verse 8 of the book of Isaiah. Let me just share that with you. And he shall pass through Judah... And he shall overflow and go over, and he shall reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of your land. And then he says, oh, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, who is he talking about here? Who is he, who is he uh, referring to? Well, we're going to look at that in just for a moment. But let me just say to you, I think one of the things that hit me that I really wanted to share with you guys this morning is this. The name Emmanuel is, means God with us. But the fact of the matter is, and here's something we all have to embrace. God is not just with us. God is with us. I was talking to a young guy a few days ago who was a pastor, and he, he's, he's trying to get his life back together, and he's trying to get back on track. And we were talking about this message. He said, Gary, be sure, be sure 
to remind them that even in the depths of their sin, even in the depths of deep pornography or, or, or deep immorality or deep sin, remind them God is with them. Because it's important for people to know that God has not abandoned you. As I thought back this week, and I thought about that little Christmas tree. And I looked and we missed and we had such a big hole in our hearts. But the fact of the matter is, there was never a moment through that that God was not with us. God is with us. That's what we have to latch on to. Now let me just say this. Because here's the deal. There are many of us that would read that, and many of us have, have even preached it. That it's one of the great promises of the Bible, God is with us. Can I say to you that that's more than a promise? It is a fundamental biblical fact. God is with us. I want to just share some verses with you as I go through. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1 and verse 9, God says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 41 and verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Don't fear or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. In Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's about ready to leave. He says to them, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Then in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, that great Jewish writer of Hebrews, whoever he may have been, said this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Let me talk to you just for a moment. Because there's something in the Bible called progressive revelation. Uh, some of you guys who are Bible scholars will understand that. There's also what's, what's known as the doctrine of first mention. The name Emmanuel is mentioned three times in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 7, one in Isaiah chapter 8, one in Matthew chapter 1. Only time that that name is mentioned, God, God with us. Let me just give you a little background with both of them, if I may, just for a second. In Isaiah chapter 7 and chapter 8, uh, Syria and Israel, you remember at this time, Israel and Judah had split. They had become basically two nations, Israel Ten of the tribes went with Israel. Two of the tribes went with Judah. Their capital city became uh, Jerusalem. And so now they are afraid that the Assyrians are about ready to invade them. 
Syria, Israel, Judah. And, and the Assyrians were a very, very cruel uh, group of folks. I mean, when they came in, they annihilated everything. They just took everything out. Nothing would be left. And, and the Israeli king and the king of Syria began to be concerned. And so what they wanted to do is make an alliance with King Ahaz of Judah. And God is speaking with Ahaz during this time, which is why, which is why we have this mention of this virgin birth in the 7th chapter and also in the 8th chapter. Syria, Israel, Judah. And um, so he, he says to Ahaz because they, they want him to have this alliance. They want, him to make, they want the king of Judah to make an alliance with him so that they can become stronger and help fight the Assyrians off. And God has pretty much told them, don't do that. And, and so Ahaz is in a dilemma. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know whether to, whether to listen to God. He doesn't know whether to listen to these other two kings. Or he doesn't know what to do. And so he's speaking with God. And God says, listen, I want you to, I want you to ask me for a sign that, that everything's going to be okay. That I am with you. Okay? And, and, of course, Ahaz doesn't do that. And so God says to him, listen, I'm going to give you a sign. Now, in prophecy... Sometimes there is an immediate application and also a future application as well to go along with it. So let me just, um, let me explain to you here just for a moment. So here's what God is saying to Ahaz. There's going to be a child that's going to be born. He's going to be your sign. Now over in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 8, we believe that it was the second child of the prophet Isaiah that was born as a sign that God was with them. As a matter of fact, in verse 8 it says, God will permit the Assyrians to overflow the land of Judah. As, as we read just a few minutes ago. He says, he says to them, he said, he's going to spread out over you. He, he's going to pass through Judah. He'll overflow. He will go over. He will reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of the wings shall fill the breadth of your land. He's talking about the Assyrians there coming into Judah, coming against Jerusalem, and then he stops and says, Oh, Emmanuel, which he is basically saying to the prophet, I am with you. That ain't never going to happen. Okay? So God did permit the Assyrians because Ahaz made a pact with the Assyrians. This whole, God's telling him this whole, this whole thing, and now he, he, he's not trusting God. He doesn't trust his neighbors, so he goes and he trusts the enemy. He walks into enemy territory, he makes a pact with them. Now, you know obviously what happens when you make a pact with the enemy. He's going to renege on you. He's going to waffle. He's going to fish on you when it's over with. He's going to break that treaty and he's going to wreak havoc on you. The devil has never made a promise, ladies and gentlemen, that he has kept. He can talk to you about prosperity. He can talk to you about health. He can talk to you about all of these kind of things that he's going to give you. He did the same thing to Jesus. He even said, listen, you see the kingdoms of the world? All you got to do is bow down before me and I'll give those to you. Bradley was talking about that in Sunday school. I slipped in a couple of classes this morning. I couldn't help but think. How many people have taken that offer in their lives? I'll, I'll make you rich. I'll make you healthy. I'll make you, I'll make you somebody special. 
we buy into that, and before you know it, man, he's got us in the gutter. We're in the deep, miry pits of sin, and it's only through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can ever get out. So this child was born. I'm going to try this. Meher Shalal Hashbaz. That was his name. Can you imagine walking around with a name like that all of your life? It basically means hasten booty or speed prey. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to y'all as you're reading through that. But here's, let me, let me just give you a good logical explanation of what this name. Here was the sign. This child is born, and basically here's what God was saying through that name. God is against those who are against his people. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be with us, we're always where we need to be. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got to say to you this morning, God is with us. God's with us. Now, I understand that we have a really hard time believing that sometimes. As we go through difficult circumstances in our life, as we go through trials and tribulations in our life, and some of you even sitting here this morning wondering how in the world you're ever going to make it. But because it's more than a promise, because it's a certainty, you don't have to feel Him, you don't have to see Him, you don't have to even... You don't have to even realize, but the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, right here in this place, right with you, God is with us. You are never alone because God is with you. It's mentioned again over in the book of Matthew when you have the, the, the later really fulfillment of what's going on here because I honestly believe that chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah is a messianic prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. But God just used that to... To teach the, the nation of Judah a lesson. I'm with you. I'm with you. You get over to Matthew chapter 1. Verses 22 and 23. The angel has come to Mary. And he has told her she's going to have a baby. Of course you know. You know the. the you put all the scriptures together. And she wasn't having an argument with him. But it was like how, how's that going to happen? Context. I have never known a man. How do we know that Mary was a virgin? I have never known a man. Okay? Evidence. But all of a sudden, we, we, we think about the difficult times that Judah was going through. Their, their downfall seemed to be imminent, and yet God reminded him, I am with you. Did you know the Bible says when Jesus came, here's the way it said it, at just the right time, God sent forth his son born of a woman. There was a real need in that time of those Jewish people to know that God was with them. Herod the Great was king. Herod the Great was probably a, um, a genius in a sense when he was younger. Uh, Lee and I Went to places where, uh, over in Israel and in Caesarea and some of those places where he built aqueducts. And, and he was a great builder. But as he got later on in his life, he, become, he became tormented by the demons that were inside him. And you remember, if you go to chapter 2 of the book of Matthew, 
you have the coming of the wise men, and, and, and Herod calls them and said, listen, I want you to go find out where this king of the Jews is because I want to come and they worship him too. Well, if they, listen, that, that's a great statement about what Herod was and who Herod was because they didn't go back there and do that. They knew what kind of ruler he was. Here was a man who put his own wife to death and almost went insane about it for the rest of his life because he thought she was a threat to his throne. He had three sons killed because his sister had convinced him that they were trying to assert his authority. He was a bad man who was so afraid that um, somebody was going to kick him off his throne that he just eliminated everybody that he thought was a threat. Even to the extent to where he heard that a king of the Jews was born and he had every child in the area killed from two years and younger. You don't think it was a difficult time for those people? And right in the middle of that, ladies and gentlemen, this baby is born who is God with us. 400 years, they had almost been silent. Of course, God hadn't been silent during those 400 intertestamental years. There are a lot of people seem to think that at the end of Malachi, God just went quiet and didn't start speaking again into the book of Matthew. Now, you know what? God did. But the fact of the matter is, the world seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and the cry went out, where's God? Where's God when we need him? Where's God in the midst of all this difficulty? We don't know from one, one day to the next if this king's going to come in and destroy us all. And in the life of a little baby... God comes, and he says to the people of that day, I am with you. In troubling times, God wanted his people to know that he was with them. Now, if you flip over on a few more pages to the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew, you'll come upon this verse in verse 20. He is commissioning the disciples. Now, think about this for a minute. They have been, this is after the resurrection, okay? So, all of a sudden, their, their hopes are dashed. They are uh, having a very difficult time. Uh, the disciples are because Jesus is now talking about going away again. He's lived. They've walked with him. He's taught them for three and a half years. He is crucified. He goes into a tomb, dead, comes back out three days later, alive. I'm sure inside the disciples are going, okay, man, this is it. This is when it happens. And then Jesus says to them something like, I got to go away. Can you see and feel the desperation in the lives of these disciples as they look at one another and as we hopefully peek into their hearts just a little bit and hear them cry out, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Please don't go. Please don't leave us. Just like Mary. I love that story this morning, the way that it was told. And it ended with, I know he's going to change people because he has changed me. He had changed these disciples. They, 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 they needed him. 
They wanted him to stay. There was so much more they needed to know. So much more they wanted to do. So much more they wanted to learn. And Jesus is talking about going away. And in that verse he says to them. I am with you always. I think sometimes we get our praying a little bit wrong. I don't know how many times I have stood here in this pulpit and other pulpits and prayed. Jesus, come and be with us. And I began to realize how insane it was to ask somebody to come and be with you who has never left. Every time I walk into this pulpit, I am with you. When I get into my car and go home, I am with you. This morning, I don't mind telling you, your, your days are a whole lot like ours. Um, there was stuff piled at the door to bring to church this morning. Now, uh, years ago, Lee and I built an outbuilding to get all the junk out of our garage. Fact of the matter is, we filled it up, and now we filled our garage up again. And stumbling around, trying to get around stuff and get stuff in the truck, and I came to the realization real quick, my little truck ain't going to hold all this. And I, I, inside, you know, Miss Rabbit Ear's in there. I go, now look, I'm all excited about this message. I go out loud. I can't get around all this stuff out here. And she's like, y'all got to move all of that. I'm like, oh, you heard that. Do you know the first thing that went through my mind when I heard that little voice come from the house? I'd heard that too. God is with me. God is with me right now. Even in the midst of my going crazy, trying to get to church. Listen, that's when the devil's always going to get on you anyway, right? Trying to get everything ready. Got, got in your mind what you want to say. You dreamed about it all night. You preached it through the night. You preached it through the morning. You don't want to get anything. You, you want to hit everything that you want to hit. And yet, chaos. Did you know God loves chaos? God does his best work in chaos. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light and saw that it was good. In the very beginning, listen, God jumped right in the middle of chaos. And he brought order. And that's what God does when we become to realize that God is with us. God is always with us. He, he takes this chaotic life that we live and this running around and hustle and bustle and whatever. And the fact of the matter is, is somewhere along the way, I come to the realization, God is with me. That is enough. God is with us. He told those disciples, I am with you. We pray that prayer, God. You know, Jesus, come, come and be with us. Jesus is with us. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're going, he's with us. Now, I understand that a lot of times it's hard and it's difficult for us to kind of embrace that, isn't it? Because sometimes life just doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out. I don't know about you, 
But somewhere along the line in my Christian life, I began to believe that God was going to solve all my problems if I became a Christian. That everything was going to be okay, everything was going to be smooth. I wasn't going to have any more problems. We weren't going to have any more difficulties. My kids were going to be perfect. My marriage is going to be perfect. My church life is going to be perfect. And all along the way, I've been shown that it's just not. It's just not. And it's caused me at times, I don't mind telling you, it's caused me at times to go, is this really real? Have I been told the truth? Have I bought into the greatest hoax of all time? But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, the promises of God are not, I'll make you rich. The promises of God are not, I'll make everything fine in your life. Promises of God are not, your loved ones won't die. The fact of the matter is, the promises that God's make is not, I'm going to make your marriage perfect and you'll never have any trouble. God's promise is, I am with you always. And if God is with us always, I've come to realize that all that other stuff encompasses that. The things that are important to you are important to Him. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's all going to work out like you want it to. I can't help but think about the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 9, you remember Paul was on this road and this light appeared to him and it was Jesus and he said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? Listen, here's, here's the thing. Here was Paul. This, this is every one of us. Jesus spoke to Paul. Here's what Paul said. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? You know that's the Christian life? The Christian life is discovering who God is and doing what he has called us to do. That's it. Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? Do you know what the Lord said to Paul? Paul, you're going to speak before kings. Now think about that for a minute. Here's, Here's Paul. He's just been spoken to by Jesus himself. And he says to him, I'm going to call you. And you're going to, and this is verse uh, 15. Go your way, for this man is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the sons of Israel. Oh, boy. Here comes a guy that God is calling to preach to kings and rulers. I'm sure most of us would go, man, I got to go buy me a new suit. I got to lose some weight before I wear this one again next year, though, I don't mind telling you. Too many buttons. I don't know why I said that. I mean, how, how proud would we be if we were, we were told? You're not going to be a preacher to the common people. What did Paul hear? Kings. That's what I would have heard. And the house of Israel. The sons of Israel. So it'd be real easy to become proud, right? 
So, in chapter 9, the Lord Jesus calls Paul. You're going to preach before kings, you're going to preach before the sons of Israel. In the 25th verse of the same chapter, the Jews want to kill him, and he's let down a wall in a basket. The apostle Paul, shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead. I'm wondering if Paul wasn't thinking, when am I going to speak to the kings? We would, wouldn't we? I mean, really? When are the kings coming? I, I suspect that a lot of the things that happened to Paul and a lot of things that happened to us have to do with our pride. God just has a way of kind of keeping us humble. Here Paul is, he's been called, he sees Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul saw heaven. Several years ago, Paul said, listen, I, I knew a man. He wouldn't even call his own name. I knew a man. He was carried up to heaven. He saw things that were inexpressible. Too wonderful to talk about. I won't brag about that. I'm going to brag about my infirmities. I'm going to brag about how God is using a weakling to bring people to faith in Christ. Paul understood what I am trying to get you to understand and leave with this morning. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul is in, on trial. And he's writing. And here's what he said. At my first defense, nobody came to support me. Everybody deserted me. It's the 16th verse of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul, in prison, writing, saying, nobody came to help me. Nobody came to my side. Nobody came and supported me. Nobody came to testify on my behalf. But you know, that was not as important to Paul as the 17th verse of that same chapter is when he says, but God was with me and gave me strength. Paul giving us the key to living the abundant Christian life. God is with us. But I've got to go a little farther. Just a moment if I may. Because over in the book of John, chapter 14, the disciples are still, Jesus is about to go. He's, Peter's been told he's going to deny the Lord. Jesus is on his way to the Father. They're, they're, they're going to want to know how they make it. You're sitting here this morning. You're going, how's God with us? How is Jesus with me? Here it is. He says in verse 15 of chapter 14 of John, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now look at this. I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. Ah, but here's the promise. That he may abide with you forever. Holy Spirit came. You say, well, how is Jesus with me? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Now, now look, 
I know what you're thinking. Well, I, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I have a hard time with, with um, understanding that Jesus is with me because I don't feel like that all the time. The fact of the matter is, how you feel doesn't matter. It's the Lord's reputation that's on the line here. He can't deny himself. So if he says, I'm with you always, he's with you always. Here's the Holy Spirit. On the day that Jesus was born, God came down and he wrapped himself in human flesh. Remember I told you a couple of weeks ago? He squeezed eternity into time through that little womb. The Holy Spirit didn't do that. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came and he wrapped himself in those 120 people who were in that upper room. Y'all with me? So, so it's not so much me wrapping myself around, it's, it's, it's that wrapping itself around me. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will be with you always. He wrapped himself in 120 people who were waiting for him to come. And they demonstrated that it was true by their witness. I'm going to tell you something. You can listen to all kinds of songs. You can listen to all kinds of, of, uh, of sermons and, and Bible studies and read all kinds of books. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing more powerful than bringing men and women and boys and girls to Jesus Christ other than through a personal testimony of the saving work of Jesus in someone else's life. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're here this morning, you may be from the most wicked household that ever existed. You think you may be so far in sin that, that God can't reach that deep to get you out. But I'm going to tell you this right here. If you will this morning look to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith and believe on Him whom God sent for your salvation, I can say through the authority of the word of God, you will never breathe the breath of hell. I think about this. I carry my mom down because my niece is getting married in February. Mother and I went down with my brothers and had a good time and she got to go to the shower. And I couldn't help but think, I, I heard Amanda in the background tell one of her friends, that's my Uncle Gary, he's a preacher too. And, and he's going to help do part of the ceremony. I'm going to come home that next week and do another one. I don't have any weddings I've done. I've never really thought about this before until just this week. Always, always. Some of you have even done it yourselves. You have stood hand in hand with the one you love. Here's what you said. Better or for worse. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. So just.
Go with me for a moment this morning in your mind, if you could. And we'll close. Just go with me for a moment in your mind. Some of you have already done this. There are some of you who are thinking about it. But think about this for a moment. Over in the book of Isaiah again, the, the Bible speaks of God and Israel and Israel being God's wife. Isn't it amazing that if there's one word that can be characterized of who we are as believers is a bride? Think about your wedding day. Think about the day you walked down the aisle, you took that man or that woman by the hand, and you made a promise. There are some of you here this morning who did that, and that promise was broken. Can I just tell you, that didn't catch God by surprise. And God doesn't love you any less. Even in the midst of all that, God was with you. Did God keep that from happening? No. But that doesn't change the fact that he was with you. Now picture this with me if you can. As a nine-year-old boy, I did this. Think about your day of salvation. Let me tell you what happened. It's as if there was a wedding ceremony that took place. The one who loved you best took you by the hand. And you walked forward with him. And he looked you dead in the eyes. And he said to you that day, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness or in health, I will never leave you. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, if you know Jesus is your Savior, you need to embrace the fact that he's here. He is with you. And he promised to never leave you. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. If, if the fact of the matter is true, with the believer, I am always with you. Then the fact of the matter is, as an unbeliever, I am never with you. I'm around you. I'm here. I'm omnipresent. So here's my question on this Christmas day. Are you struggling? You're going through a difficult time. Are you going through the holidays without someone? And your heart's just broken? Would you just say a prayer to the Lord this morning? Number one, thanking Him for being with you. And number two, to ask Him to just especially love on you through this time. And God will allow people to do that too. You may be here this morning and I don't know what you're going through. Maybe your kids were screaming and hollering when you left this morning. Maybe you don't know how you're going to make it through the next day. There are some of you here, I'm telling you, you've been in a position before where you didn't even know how you're going to make it through Christmas. We met some ladies, some beautiful ladies, through our shepherd's gift who didn't even know how they were going to give their children Christmas. And you know what God did? Because God is always with us. God's nudged a church or a few churches to help meet that need. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening. I just know this right here. 
If you're a child of God, you will not sit in your house alone this Christmas holiday because God is with you.